Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. I am your host, Timuchin, as always, joining from Chicago. And with me today is a very sick Paul Bickler, and not the usual sick Paul Bickler, but actually physically sick Paul Bickler. Paul, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm alive, but barely. So that's that's that. Good thing we don't have video yet. I feel like I got rolled shortly. over by a tank and it's parked parked on my chest. Yeah. Pretty soon when we have the video format as well, people will get to see and believe how sick actually Paul is right now. But also with us is Gally, as always. What's going on, man? I'm just sick in the head, so I'm I'll uh, I'll I'll be the healthy one on the call today. Anybody who follows the podcast or the website knows we're all a little sick in the head, but now Bickler is physically sick as well. So what is also making us sick, at least most of us, I should say, or at least in the social media, most people is the lack of action going on where we almost like wrap up every podcast with, you know, there'll probably be some more news during the week and then nothing seems to happen. Everybody's in a waiting format, but kind of like want to talk about that a little bit, uh, see where you guys stand on that. I mean, there were some uh, contract extensions with Harvey and then uh, most recently Trent. And I know we probably have more in the works of that. Um what do you guys think? Paul, let's start with you. What do you think of the lack of activity overall? Are you in a panic mode like most or semi-concerned? Where, you, where do you stand on that? I mean, I guess I'm somewhat concerned because I don't run a roll into the season with a bag full of players that we don't intend to use, right? I mean, we talked about this like we basically have to offload Origi and Shakiri before we can essentially purchase players. And that has to do with our, our player quotas. And so my concern is, is that we're not going to be able to do that. And that's going to cut into the development of Harvey Elliott. Uh, we are already missing. I believe that we're missing out on some substantial targets in DACA and Maryland because um, we weren't able to go after them. Um, and that's really it, man. I think like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned just because I don't want to go into the season in the same situation where we don't have quality depth. So in terms of, let's go back to what you talked about, like missing out on targets. I mean, is this really costing us? Because at this point, I think everybody knows that Liverpool has to offload some players to sign somebody. So not signing anybody is really, I mean, you know, we've always thought, okay, well, if we sign somebody, everybody's going to know we have to sell. So we're not going to be able to get as much money kind of thing. But don't you think, Gally, that everybody, I mean, every club out there knows right now that, you know, we are looking to offload some people to be able to sign anybody. It's not like a big secret. Yeah. I, I, well, I, the secret is out that we don't have much available cash nor do many clubs, to be fair. I mean, we're all getting excited about these big signings. It's really two, three clubs in the entire world signing anyone this entire summer outside of 20 to $40 million purchases that are happening. So the, the activity that's happening is because clubs have been able to sell. I think that's our problem is, is that Edwards does a good job. And when you do a good job of winning every single negotiation you're in, eventually the people on the other side start to pull back and, ma and make these deals take longer to happen, to materialize. Because I think they're defending themselves because they don't want to be the next person who's fleeced 
by a clause that Edwards inserts or just by, you know, buying Dominic Solanke for 29 million. That's a good point, actually. You can build into the paranoia thinking, am I getting screwed? This sounds too good to be true. This guy wants to do it. There must be something to this kind of thing and look at it over. But so I know, I mean, the main argument that I see online is, you know, People are like, well, we had like a Champions League winning title winning squad and everybody's coming back. I mean, I I guess my main concern on my end is, one, even then, we never really had the depth that we wanted, right? Because we went into that offseason saying we need more depth uh, so that, you know, like we can kind of workload and stuff like that. And, you know, like Thiago was added, Jota was added and stuff like that. I'm just more concerned that, you know, are you going to be able to go back to that form? Um, we did sign an extra, another center back. So I feel like, okay, we're solid there. And we saw Van Dyke and Gomez come back. I, I don't know how much value you guys put into these preseason games. I feel like especially on a team that relies on energy for their style of play, playing after you actually practice that day, it's kind of almost like unfair to expect like a good Liverpool performance. So I kind of didn't want to talk too much about individual performances. It was just good to see, you know, Van Dijk and Gomez finally on the pitch again. Uh, They did not look themselves, obviously, which is that's unfair to expect as well. But Paul, like, what do you say to those people that, you know, feel like we are already ready to go? Do you feel we're ready to go apart from like the bench, let's say? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I think you're spot on when you said that even when we won the Champions League, we just weren't particularly deep squad. And I think the concerning thing to me is that I don't know if Jurgen Klopp knows how to manage a deep squad. You know, like I've, I've said this, I think that's one thing that Pep Guardiola has in his arsenal that Klopp does. And even at Dortmund, Klopp managed a fairly small squad and used the same starting 11, probably the same 14 players really, really heavily. Um, And I think we've seen that at Liverpool. And I wonder how that affects recruitment, you know, like how many young kids want to come into a Liverpool side where they know they're not going to start. And if they're not starting, how much development are they really getting? You know, how much playing time are they going to see? And I think that factored into DACA going to Leicester. I don't know if it's the virus or what, but we lost Paul over there for a second. So while we try to get him back in action over here, Gally, let me come to you. We did sign. I forgot to mention that Allison as person, like we kind of like resigned to an extension as well. In terms of these extensions, I want to kind of ask you guys this, both of you guys, and see where you guys are on this. I mean, obviously, we have some like people that we want to kind of like lock in for the long term. Some contracts ending. Who do you guys see as the next genie situation where we kind of say, no, we're good and not kind of like invest too much in the, uh, like a contract extension? Well, I mean, on the absolute short term, I think that this is Milner's last year. And I think when his contract is up, he will, you know, they'll offer him a position in the back room or in a coaching position, a role with one of the youth teams, uh, but I don't think he'll get another playing contract from Liverpool. So I guess that'd be the first player that gets that. You know, I don't want to go here because I think they'll get an extension done with Henderson. But I mean, if it 
if it's true that he has two years left on his deal and they want to see what he looks like at the end of it, um, might have to check on that. You know, that might be one. Um, I, you know, I don't see it happening with Allison, Fabinho, Virgil, you know, Salah, Mane, um, especially Salah and Mane, because I think they'll both get re-upped purely because they want to make sure that they can get a sell on. But I'll say this, you know, everybody wanted to kill um, FSG and even in some ways management over the genie thing. And, and I know there's just, you know, un, you know, unilateral love for genie. And I love genie as a player, but at the end of the day, right now, this is one of the biggest stories in football is players are running their contracts down and taking control of their own act, you know, where they're going to go and what they want. We've never seen it before where guys like Mbappe will get to the last year and be willing to run it down all the way where you hear about players, you know, like, uh, uh, like Pogba, maybe just saying no to United so he can sign wherever he wants because they're going to start recouping these big fees and I think it's going to become more and more common, these players running their contracts down. So they're in control of the earning potential and they're keeping all of these big transfer fees. So I don't think it's going to be uncommon that we see it. And I think it could happen with a few different guys. I just don't think it'll happen with our core guys. How about you, Paul? Like out of all these people that are, you know, like slated to be like, you know, have their contracts extended and stuff like that in talks, uh, you know, we hear in the background, oh, that one is about to happen, blah, blah. Who do you see as the next genie situation where Liverpool kind of selects to not extend and say thank you for your services and kind of like move on? Um, I don't, you know, I, I kind of agree with Gally. I don't see that being an issue with <clears throat> most of our core guys. Um, I guess you could possibly see that with like the Milner situation, but uh, like... I don't, I don't think the majority of our core guys are going to see that happen with, I mean, obviously it's not in the club's best interest financially to have that happen too often. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, I, like I said, maybe, maybe millionaire, but like, I can't see that happening with too many of these guys. You know who that might happen with guys. And I, and the reason is, is I think that happens with players you sign when they're older, that might happen with Tiago. Tiago might get his Liverpool contract. What he signed a three or four year deal at 29 years old. And that's probably what he gets here. He probably doesn't get extended at 31 or 32. We'll see. Maybe he does, but you know that I can see a guy like that playing his four years here and then getting a, this has been great. And I hope, you know, he has a couple trophies that he can take winner's medals with him out the door with him. And I personally yeah, have no, gonna... go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. I, I'm sorry. I was going to say, nobody's going to like to hear this, but this could happen with Divock Origi too. I mean, he's not like, I'm being serious. I mean, he's like, like he has no motivation to go anywhere else. He, he doesn't mind that he's not starting and playing regular football. He's not going to get a better wage compensation anywhere else. And nobody seems particularly interested in dropping coin on him. So, I mean, it's very possible. He just grinds this thing down. And- you know, and I know we want to say that this team isn't deep, and I don't think they are. But when we were thinking about, like, the lineup, and I was thinking about these guys resigning and kind of when we were tossing around ideas, I jotted just names down. 
And you realize they're going back to only seven substitutes on the bench this year in the Premier League. So you're not going to have this, you know, match day squad where you can put 16 guys on the bench and Klopp can, you know, only put one of them on in the 85th minute. Um, but I was jotting it down. On the first match day, right, Klopp might have to decide which seven people he puts on the bench between Kelleher, Van Dyke, Gomes, Henderson, either Tiago or Millie, whoever doesn't start, Jones, right now, Shakiri, Origi, Taki, Ox, Bobby, Harvey, Shamikas, Nico, and Nat Phillips. And we still start an 11-man team. So this squad does have 28 players in it. I know we don't love every one of them, but if they're healthy, you know, I, I don't know where the team actually is just missing a player. I just think it could use a solid upgrade in the midfield, and I'd love – you know, there to be a fifth option better than Ox or Taki. But if they're not, I still think this team can challenge for everything. They just have to stay healthy. I think my main concern becomes how many of these players actually, when they come off the bench or if they start in ahead of somebody, can perform the same way or bring something. I mean, when we go back to, you know, like players like Divock and Shaq and stuff, I mean, are these quality players? Yeah. I mean, and they've done, have they done great things? Yeah. I guess, you know, we were talking about this on Discord channel. I would love to think like what you guys think, but I mean, obviously these guys have been together for a while, which is a plus for them. And they kind of have, which, you know, we do not know. I mean, I do not know the answer to this. And I know you guys will not know the answer to this. We're just speculating at this point, but. And this team has accomplished a lot together. So I'm sure there's some kind of a belief amongst themselves that, hey, you know, if you put our 100% and we are going to succeed, we can beat anybody and all that good stuff. But I guess my main concern is when after the last season we had, especially with the scoring struggles and stuff like that up top. And I, I'm, we all know, I mean, before anybody, you know, starts sending the emails you know we know it was kind of like based on you know because fab was not where he was supposed to be and so on and so was not they're supposed to be so it's not only the front that causes the problem but regardless we were not able to score and when you do that let's say you look to your bench to bring somebody in if you're on the field let's say you're money or mo the one who's not being taken out or whatever the scenario is if you see on the sideline divox number go up or shack's number go up do you guys think, and again, like I say, I know we're not going to know the answer to this. There's no freaking way. They wouldn't even answer it if you asked them, but I want to see what you guys think. Do you guys think Mano or Mo says, all right, now it's time to go. You know, like this is going to really kick us an extra gear or are they kind of like where we're at thinking, well, it's still on me to kind of like create opportunities and stuff. See what I'm getting at? Like, we don't have as much confidence in some of these players coming in and making an impact, especially, you know, over the last, I don't know, like maybe like 18. I mean, heck, I can't remember the last time Divac made an impact. I think it was probably been like 18 months or so. So, you know, do you guys think it would be the same feeling amongst the squad or these guys already believe in each other and know each other's quality through practice so they really don't care? I like to believe that they, you know, that they're putting in the – the time and the effort and that they believe in each other no matter what and that they're playing, you know, for the badge, for the club and for the job at the same time, would they be a little bit more excited? Do I think they're more excited when Jota comes off the bench for Bobby or Bobby comes in for Jota to give a little life than when 
Divac is walking in or talking. Yes, I do. But I hope with this team that, you know, you get more life out of Tiago, a few more goals and a little bit more creation. You get a little bit of life out of Keita if he plays like he has in the preseason and he's healthy. He's clearly getting a shot to play a big role in this midfield right now, at least. And we'll see if he can take it. You know, I expect him to start on opening day against Norwich. We'll see if he plays well. But, you know, I, I think that's what they're going to hope for. And, and you know, fingers crossed, if he actually gives Elliot a chance, maybe that's where the spark comes from. I think there's going to have to be new life thrown into the mix, to your point, to motivate those guys. But let's be honest, those guys don't want to come off the pitch and want the always want to be the center of attention and want it on them anyways. I think the best thing that happened is neither of them had to play in summer tournaments and both look absolutely refreshed and look like they're ready to get racing. And if we get a healthy Mane and we know Salah is a beast and never stops scoring goals, I think the goal scoring might be not as much of a problem if Mane puts one out of every five in the net instead of one out of every 20 like last year. How about you, Paul? Like I say, I know kind of my asking an impossible question that we cannot confirm the answer to, but what is like kind of like your feel, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I guess I think if you go back and you have a similar result enough times, you kind of uh, you know what to expect, right? And it hasn't been great. I think the I think the bigger question is, is are we waiting for the dying embers of the game to make these substitutions because of the lack of options? Um, or, you know, like, because for me, it's like, it doesn't matter what our plan B is if we're, if we're going to wait till the 85th minute anyway. Um, so I think that's the real curious thing with new players in the mix. Will that change? Will we see tactical changes and substitutions earlier? Um, because if we, we don't, I don't know how much changes, you know, like, I'm just not a fan of making these big changes, expecting to win the game in in the last sort of dying embers. And I think that's why sometimes we do not see as much. I mean, we talk about, you know, the lack of substitution sometimes. And I think because, I mean, the best options we have are on the field. With the exception of midfield, because it's so energy-based, you can always, you know, like kind of like refresh and put like fresh legs on the field kind of thing. But it just kind of, I guess, explains why, I mean, this is your best 11 out there. Let's see what they can do kind of thing. But I... I guess that's probably the most frustrating part overall is not only that, like that we feel like there should be some additions to that area. I think what makes it worse is when people hear about, you know, what other teams are doing and not are maybe, but, you know, working on doing, possibly doing and stuff like that. I feel like, you know, I mean, United made some, I think smart additions, I have to say, with the exception of extending Ole's contract, uh, you know, like in terms of the players they brought in, I think Veron is like a good uh, kind of like a complimentary player to Slabhead. Uh, and obviously they got Sancho, but is that kind of like the main reason of frustration? Like, you know, like keeping up with the Joneses gal, you think? Yeah. I, I think this is just how we do business. And I think it frustrates our fan base. I mean, we've talked about this before, We'll have the same fan base that screamed for the owners to sell the team for thinking about joining a Super League that was going to make them more money and make them more viable to buy better players. That then scream, you know, they wish that we just had oil money so we could just buy every player in the world like all the other clubs. So, I mean, they just talk out of both sides, right? So 
I, I think that that's the kind of the, the, the craze that comes behind transfer windows as a Liverpool supporter, because we really don't get any info. And because of that, there's no good stories because it's just regurgitated names that agents drop or people create. And then I think at the end of the day, we just find out we signed Diego Zota after being attached to every other striker and offensive player in all of Europe last season. And then you just, you know, see it's actually official. The official Liverpool page tells us we signed Jota because we have no clue. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of like how we do business, which is probably good. Uh, anytime really, I mean, Fabinho was the same way. He came out of nowhere. A lot of our like top players or, you know, Ellison look, you know, Ellison was like, you know, oh, it's not happening. And the next day he's here. Uh, so it has been kind of like odd to follow. And I almost sense that frustration from, like journalists following this team, uh, almost like making up storylines uh, for, you know, yeah. for us to talk about and stuff like that. And like, yeah, I mean, how many genie articles did they have to write so that, you know, like the fans would kind of like keep going. Okay. So I guess we'll go back into our waiting mode and <laughs> say next Monday, we'll talk about some signings or sellings or whatever, but uh, we will have time to talk about like the lineup for the Norwich game, but having like watched the preseason game and we'll have a couple more to watch kind of wanted to get your guys take on uh, the, probably the possible starting center back duo looks up will be Konade and Mate. Paul, how happy are you with that? Uh, I'm pretty happy with that. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. I feel comfortable with it. I think Kanate is going to adjust. He's got the physicality for the prim and the speed. Um, you know, he seems like he's gelling in really well with the squad. If you look at like his preseason stuff, like he's in on the banter with Rabo, and he seems like he's really fitting in with the rest of the squad. Um, and I think Matev is is incredibly undervalued like I think he's probably our best center back on the ball um, in terms of distribution so like yeah I'm happy with that I don't want to see Joe Gomez and I don't want to see Virgil rushed out um, and I I don't think we know what version of those players we have for sure yet um, those are some pretty significant injuries that take time to come back from and a lot of players are never the same coming back from those injuries now granted with modern medicine you know that's obviously improved that but I'm fine with them getting eased back in gradually, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think the style we play, I mean, because of what it demands and everything like that, makes it almost, and we know Klopp, I mean, unless you can really practice full speed, you're not going to be like, you know, if you're 70, 80% ready, you don't get to start on this team. It's just like, you know, how he does it, which, you know, since it's like that across the board, I think it's fair. But Gally, how do you see that uh, duo starting the Premier League for us. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, everything Paul said about Kanate being ready for the Prem, and I'm not really worried about him um, outside of just acclimating like anyone has to in their new surroundings and the nerves of wearing the jersey for the first time. Um, I have full faith in Matip. I've always really enjoyed him. Whenever he's been able to stay healthy and gets a run in the side, we seem to go on a long winning run. Um, that's consistent with when he plays like seven, eight games in a row, they score lots of points, which is usually um, contingent upon a player doing well. And I've always said that about him. You know, he's a winner. When he's in the lineup, they win more. Um, so I'm excited about that. And I think, honestly, the best thing is, is we're going to have the back five together. And I think 
Robo and Trent will be ready by then. And I expect Allison to play, even though he's just getting back into shape now. And as long as that back five is there, and uh, I think we'll be fine against Norwich. So let's go to the next level then. Let's go to midfield. Because I feel like, you know, Thiago is back. Uh, I guess he had a knock, so he didn't practice today. By the way, there's like a couple of Facebook groups that post, you know, like practice photos. And there'll be like, you know, like 70 of them, 80 of them. And at times, you know, I'll scroll through them. But I'm always amazed that people who scroll through 80 pictures and then mention the one player they didn't see and they'll be like, where's he at? It's just like, I'm like, dude, do you have like a checklist that you go through? It just drives me out. But I guess, you know, somebody caught that Tiago was not in any of the pictures today. And that was kind of like, because he had a slight knock and he did not practice. Um, with Henderson, obviously coming in the latest, do you guys see, I mean, I think overall the consensus is the ideal or the top midfield lineup for this team is Fabinho, Hendo and Tiago. Are we in agreement with that, Paul, in terms of, like, if you had to pick your ideal three, everybody's in tip-top shape? Yes. <laughs> See, I'm keeping it easy for you, man. You're sick, so just like yes or no, false, true or it. false. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to lay here and answer yes or no. I got it. Well, it's not that easy. So there's a follow-up question. So with uh, Henderson coming in late and, you know, we don't know, obviously we're going to have a couple more preseason games to see how many minutes these guys get playing. But if Hendo does not come, are you putting Curtis in there? Are you putting Ox in there? What happens to your starting midfield against Norwich? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I think... Uh... Ooh, that's a good question. I think... Man, I think it's – I think – I hate to say this, man, but I think you got to put Naby in. He's had a pretty good preseason. You spent 50 friggin' million pounds on the dude. Mm. Like, you got to – it's it's ride or die time for Nabs, right? Like, he's got to step in. And, I mean, this is this is why – I mean, you can't – you can't keep a guy that you paid that kind of money and start uh, a teenager over him uh, in good conscience. Like, you got to – like, especially off the back of this preseason, I think it's got to be Naby. And he's been out so long. I didn't even think of him as an option off the top of my head. I was, I was throwing out names. I came with Jones and Hawks. But, I mean, especially in this preseason, I mean, he has been playing really well. I feel like sometimes he's slow on the ball where he doesn't feel the pressure coming and stuff. But, I mean, man, when he's on his game, the guy can really, like, open up some defenses and, you know, uh, win a lot of balls. I mean, it's just like, a, in some ways, an ideal person for what we want from midfield how about you galley who are you putting you know who do you expect to be in the starting 11 i think fabinho will make the will make the 11 as well uh and i think Kata will probably start and then i think it's going to be down to tiago or milner uh in that second spot i could see i could see him starting milner regardless just to hand him the armband knowing that Virgil and Henderson aren't playing and he doesn't have Jeannie any longer. You know, I, I can see him starting Milner just for the kind of that maturity in midfield on opening day and to reward him. I could see Jurgen kind of giving him a little, that might be his last Liverpool start in a Premier League game, honestly, but it's opening day of his last year with Liverpool. Uh, that could possibly be a way for him to kind of, credit the fact that Milner was the first guy into training for like the fifth year in a row. 
Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I do not consider Milner. I mean, especially the fact that we are playing away. I can see the first game is away, right? I'm not like mistaken. Yep. Yeah. So the fact that, that, you know, like we are away, I think can bring Milner into the equation, perhaps then over Nabi. But I agree with what Paul is saying, too. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to have millions literally sitting on the bench when we're trying to like, you know, make small sales and stuff to fund like a purchase. And this guy that you have invested a lot of money and is just like sitting there. But so I guess let's finish it off uh, with the front line with Bobby coming back later. Does that kind of like help Klopp's decision and put Jota there instead? Or, you know, obviously we're going to see more preseason games and see how that turns out, but who would you guys put in that front three? Gally, let's start with you on this one. I'd start with Jota, Salah, and Mane. Um, I'd have Bobby on the bench, and I'd let that be my starting front three until things changed. Let me throw a curveball here. What if Ox has like another couple of ridiculously good performances of false nine in the last couple of preseason games? Will that change your mind there, Paul? Mm, no, uh, I, I differ from Galley on this a little bit. I, I actually start for Mino because I don't think he necessarily logged in a ton of minutes uh, for the Brazilian national team. They didn't play him a ton. I think that Bobby does stuff that Jota can't, like especially defensively. Like his work rate up top and he is like the key to uh, counterattacking. Like I don't know how much we're going to end up doing uh, of that versus Norwich, but um, – there's Norwich, but like he is sort of the key to like uh, transitioning out of defense into offense. I would start him. Uh, but Ox is interesting, right? I mean, he's he's like sort of carving out this new role as in a false nine, um, which is interesting. So we'll see how that develops. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna get a start anytime soon, though. There. Yeah, I agree. I would just like throwing out there to complicate things even further for you there. It's just, to, you know, just make life even harder than it is. But uh, so let me ask you guys this then. I mean, we know now, I mean, we kind of like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, regardless of, you know, even if we sign somebody tomorrow, we're definitely not going to see them in a starting 11 at Norwich. So. Let me ask you guys this of all the guys that are rumored then God knows there's a bazillion names. Who would you like to bring in and see as being able to be starting in the starting 11? I don't know, within, uh, let's say by like beginning of October, probably based on a club calendar, a new signing probably needs at least like four to six weeks or so. But Paul, who are you plugging into this starting 11 as you make a signing? Are you announcing Mbappe? What are you doing? No, so here's my deal. I'm going to sound like a broken record and say Yuri Tillemans, but here's how this has worked out, right? I'm going to call my boy Brendan Rogers. He owes us. He's got new teeth. He got a hot new girlfriend. Like, he got all this stuff when he was at Liverpool. Like, you know, we'll work out, like, a nine-year payment plan uh, for, for Yuri, and then we'll just get it done. Yeah, that's been, like, your go-to guy. And I feel like, actually, as that name – he would be one or any player. I, I think if they're coming from the Premier League, especially the way he plays and the style he plays, he would probably be the fastest one to be inserted into a starting 11 or at least, you know, like C on the pitch. Who do you have, Gally? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, 
I'm a big Yuri Tillman's fan as well. So, and I would love to see a player like that slotted in. I don't think we can pull that off at this point. Um, you know, everybody, anyone who read my articles throughout the Euros knows my love for the Italian squad. So I'd pick about one of the five different Italians that we've been uh, rumored with. But I actually think the one that we've been rumored with recently is the one that we might have the best chance of actually getting, uh, which is the Locatelli from Sassuolo. Uh, if his deal doesn't go through with Juve, he might actually be available and he plays a similar style. He could do the job of, uh, you know, a genie like player that could kind of morph into our system. He plays great and presses hard, high up on the ball. So he might be able to get in. But the problem is exactly what you said. Klopp, we have trouble with Klopp playing one of the 20 different subs he has now. And we think he's going to make a signing that's just going to walk in and play. I mean, it took Tiago almost until Christmas to really get into Klopp's team. So I just think it's going to take time for anybody. And I don't think we're going to see anyone that signs in the next two weeks play a big role until probably late into the winter. Am I the only one that thinks Locatelli just sounds delicious? Like, for some reason, that last name makes me hungry. <laughs> I think that's that tea you're Well, doing. it sounds like every good pasta out there. <laughs> Could be because I haven't eaten since Saturday. I don't know. <laughs> I think there's something in that tea is what's what's really making you think that. But well, so I, I sure fucking hope so because it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go almost out of their way to make sure medicine tastes like hell. You would think in this day and age they would be able to find a way yeah. to make it taste good, but they almost like do it on purpose, I think. But say, let me ask you guys this because I do not follow La Liga closely just because I just don't like enjoy the uh, the teams. I think I pretty much hate every team in the league. Maybe that's why. I don't know what it is, but either way, I don't watch a lot of La Liga. Uh, I think like one of the players we're probably been rumored the most with, which probably makes you think it's not going to happen, is Saul. Where do you guys stand on that? Do you guys think it works? Uh, would it be a good signing in your call? I mean, obviously, the money I've heard ranges anywhere from like 30 to 50 million, whichever you know, rumor you believe in stuff. Bigler, are you a Saul fan? So, here's the weird thing you know, I admittedly don't know a whole lot about the player. Looked him up, read about him, it's kind of a scouting report, looked at some you know, videos and, and read about like what he's all about, and it was like a like for like chain replacement. So that was kind of exciting. Five minutes later, I wasn't excited. Like, I don't know what it is about that player. It just doesn't like, I have a hard time getting up for that. And I don't really know why. How about you, Gally? I mean, I, I've watched a lot of his matches. Uh, I do believe he's a world-class player with world-class talent. And when he was at like the top, top part of his game, he was, you know, arguably two or three best midfielder in La Liga. Um, and he plays with that Atletico Madrid edge that you need to be able to get on in a Jurgen Klopp system. And he brings that edge and he scores some big goals. And for that, I think he adds a little bit of what Tiago brought, which was a little bit of that, like, mystique that I'd leave a club like Bayern to come to your club. I'll leave Atletico Madrid to come to your club. Um, you know, it's not, I'll leave Hull city or I'll leave West Ham. Um, so I, I think that is what makes people a little bit excited. 
I mean, there was a reason at one point they inserted a 600 million or whatever crazy amount release clause he had in his contract. Um, but I, I don't know that he'll ever make anyone that excited over here because he barely speaks English and he plays kind of a lackluster engine room position. Yeah, and that's another thing. I mean, if we're talking about, you know, trying to replace Genie, I mean, let's face it, how many of us got really excited when Genie was coming on board? I mean, everybody expects for this midfield. You know, you look online, everybody's like, we need a creative midfielder thing, and that's not how this midfield functions. I feel like the closest you can get is probably Thiago to that setup in terms of like being creative and kind of like, you know, like passing in between the lines and stuff. And Navi is probably like, you know, like the second closest in terms of a type of player that's going to have the defensive work rates as well as be able to, you know, like pass between the lines and stuff. I think that's where we really missed handle the most really is be able to switch the ball fast and kind of like direct traffic in midfield. Like I say, most really do not appreciate like what he does when he's out there. Okay, so let's change direction for the last time that podcast, and let me pick your guys' brain on this. So this week, actually, like just today, I believe, uh, when Kane did not show up for practice for the Spurs, kind of like almost forcing a way out, you know, now Tottenham is talking about finding them and stuff like that. You see on the other side, you know, like teams are trying to probably not to prevent them from going to the city more than anything else. You kind of like have a similar story with Grealish over there in some ways, you know, he can help Villa, I guess, by, you know, being sold and bringing all that money in that Villa can reinvest or actually stay loyal to the club and keep playing there. I'm sure fans would rather have him stay than the money he's going to bring in, I would think, in most cases. So I kind of like wanted to talk about what you guys make of a lot of fans talk about, oh, like player loyalty and stuff. And we had this with Genie as well, like we were referring to earlier. You know, I had like people, you know, I've seen people say, oh, he's going there, you know, like they're going to give him more wages, which is like one of the biggest explanations, leave all on that social media crap uh, in terms of like why he left. And they were like, oh, yeah, how is he going to survive with the wage, you know, 200,000 we give him, blah, blah, blah. What do you guys sit on, knowing this is a professional sport and stuff, but we're all soccer fans and loyal team fans at the end. Bickler, where do you stand on player loyalty to the club? Should the player even give a damn, knowing if he was injured or not performing, he would be kicked to the curb immediately? No. Nicely done. True or false? Yeah. A player? No. Yes. <laughs> no, no, like, yeah. No, seriously, no. Like, <clears throat> like, I think you just answered the question, right? Like, I mean, these players are replaced when injured or broken or old. So, like, for me, it's like, <clears throat> it's a relationship, right? And, like, <clears throat> it's kind of like when you have friends that are in a, in a in a relationship where they're having a situation. Like, you can have your opinion on that and you can can voice that opinion and try to help them out but it's really something that has to be worked out by them and like i feel like it's the same way with players and clubs like for me if a, a player wants to move on and he finds that that's in his best interest uh, as a player then like i'm fully supportive and fully understanding of that happening right and like if he doesn't want to show up because he is not getting what he thinks he needs to have to move on that's that's his choice and that's fine if the club wants to turn around and find him for that 
that's the club's choice and that's fine. So like, I'm fine with both. Like, I mean, I think that there's like a consequence to the behavior and that's the fine. Like, but I also think, you know, in certain situations, like players can, can be treated fairly and that's very either. Um, so I understand both sides. How about you, Gally? Um, you know, I, I, I struggle with this a little bit. The only reason I struggle with it is, is I know if I were a player of that level of talent that I would utilize any leverage I had and want control over my career, right? Who wouldn't? But at the end of the day, they sign contracts. And, and like you use Harry Kane an example. Harry Kane not showing up today did nothing to change Daniel Levy's mind. If Daniel Levy wants to sell Harry Kane, he will. If he doesn't want to sell Harry Kane, he doesn't have to. Because they are going to make enough money. And and the real question is, is will Harry Kane, you know, light a match to his entire record book, his, his history at his boyhood club, that he's the all-time leading goal scorer and, and you know, that he's done amazing, great things at. That's up to him, right? Does he want to be remembered as the guy who literally lit a bomb on the way out of town or figure out a way to get out amicably? And I think that's when it comes down to the player and, and the manager, and you get lucky when you run into something like we had with Klopp because he figured out how to do it well with Coutinho, and we cashed in great. And other clubs lose money, and I think Spurs might end up losing money based on how Harry Kane acts. See, I'm kind of like torn on that because I'm trying to – and it's really difficult because obviously there's a lot more money involved, hell, a lot more talents involved, and a lot more like you know specialized talents involved. But if you think of yourself as you know, let's try to kind of like convert as much as possible to ourselves, right? So you're working at a company, and you need some changes done. And that's like one of the main reasons, right? Because you want, you know, there are certain things that you want to change and, you know, in the club and it's not happening or, you know, somehow it's not going your way in terms of happening and you're getting like these other offers and stuff like that to a company that is run better and more successful and stuff like that. When your owner or your boss, whatever, keeps telling you, yeah, 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 but there's nothing solid happening. If you're able to, would you not change the companies and say, hey, you know what? I've been hearing this shit all this time. It's time for me to go if you guys are not going to change anything. So that's kind of like where I get torn at. Does that make sense, Paul, or is that too simplified in a way? I understand it, but I think the better analogy is if you signed a non-compete. You know what I mean? I think that's the big thing. It's like with any sort of normal job, you could jump ship at any point. And I think it's different when you're locked into a contract because they essentially own the rights and they can, you know, they can essentially not sell you if they don't want to. So I think it's a little bit more complicated, but I understand what you're saying. Um, I just think like in Harry Kane's situation, it's been so, it's been so bad for so long um, that I understand the desire to want out and to, to, to win stuff at his age. Uh, so I guess I'm maybe a little bit more sympathetic to that. And okay. So going back to you, when you were talking about, you know, like Kane not showing up for practice, not helping his cause, don't you think Gally, it's kind of almost 
forces the owners because now you're kind of like bringing the fans involved into the story too. If it was just between you and the owners, they were like, you know, there's a fine or you show up to practice. Yeah, 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 why don't you show up? We're going to work on it, blah, blah, blah. They can kind of blow you off. I feel like now you brought the fans into the equation. And I'm kind of like trying to think of us. I mean, already I saw when, out of freaking rumors, not even like, you know, nothing close to Henderson not showing up or anything like that. People were like, if he doesn't want to be here, sell him, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I would feel like it would be the same thing if, I know Mo did the same thing, let's say to go to Real or something or Mane or whatever. I feel like fans would almost say, oh, if he doesn't want to play for us, if he doesn't want to wear this jersey, you know, then sell him. And, you know, therefore almost like kind of speed up the process. I think our fans would do that. I think Spurs fans right now to a man, Spurs fans actually think the club should do whatever is right by Harry Kane because they like Harry. They they feel like Paul does. I have tons of Spurs fans that are my friends. They actually say, I, I hope they do let him go. I hate I don't want to watch him win somewhere else. But if he wants to go, I'll let him leave. I think that's the difference. They understand their level. My point is, if I'm Spurs, I'm not doing it. I'm going to make Harry Kane literally sign a transfer request. I'm going to make him give up all the bonuses, pay all the fees. I'm going to make him be Judas on the way out of town. Because how are you ever going to look your fan base back in the eye? You built them a billion-dollar palace and allowed the all-time leading goal scorer who was born at the club, basically, to leave for nothing. It, it's and it's a lot of money, but it won't be enough to actually make up for it. You saw what happened when Luis Suarez left Liverpool. You saw what happened when Bale left the first time at Spurs. You don't replace players of that much talent, no matter how much money you get. And you sure as hell don't do it with Daniel Levy spending it. You think that's part of it, though? The confidence of how that money is going to be spent? Because you used the Coutinho example earlier. That money was converted into key players that brought a title and, like, other trophies. Whereas you go back to, like you said, the Suarez thing, which it just brought pretty much nothing. Uh, you know, to kind of, you know, just money blown away is what it brought more than anything else. You think that's part of it that, you know, like, Paul, that people you know, Spurs fans do not have faith in the club that money is going to be spent wisely to bring, let's say, two or three top players to get them to the next level. I definitely think that's part of it. I think that Tottenham also doesn't trust the fact that they can find players in this market. You know, like it's a it's a shit market right now. And I think the club probably thinks, man, even if we could stretch this out till next summer, that's probably in the best interest of us in terms of, you know, it gives them time to sort of feel things out and find a suitable replacement. Um, but this happens. I mean, this, I think it's interesting to note that this is what Nabi did on the way out at Leipzig. He did the same thing. You know, he, he pretty much sat out, you know, training when he was supposed to be there and made a fuss. There's, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. And I think a lot of this is probably down to agents too. The end of the day, the best signing the Spurs have had in three years is getting hooked onto Ted Lasso because it's the best actual pub they've had. <laughs> the TV show on Apple TV. And honestly, it's the most entertaining thing about their club because they get this billion-dollar stadium so they can bring an NFL team to London. And COVID comes and completely wipes out all revenue streams and stops the NFL from playing games over there which has absolutely destroyed why Spurs put all the money into the, the way that they did. And I just think everything has just spiraled. But 
you guys asked why they wouldn't have faith. One set of ownership hired Jurgen Klopp, took all the Coutinho money and turned it into talent. The other ownership had a chance with all the same money and has hired, you know, Jose Mourinho and now, you know, a failed Wolves boss to try to get them to the next level. And that's why no one has faith that they'll do the right thing with Harry Kane. So he'll probably be playing in the reserves until December. They're probably worried that there might not be as many like Portuguese players out on the market that they can sign because that's all who Nuno is going to want anyway so that he can talk to him or whatever. But yeah, I think that's, yeah, that is an interesting point. I think, you know, like being able to convert that money and the revenues, this has been a really weird off season. I don't think we've ever, I mean, it always like takes time, especially on a, you know, like a summer when there's a Euro or a World Cup and stuff. But it has been really slow moving where everybody is waiting. Everybody is almost afraid to make a move. And that includes not only like the top teams, but, you know, the mid-range teams are waiting for the top teams. The lower tier teams are waiting for the mid-range teams to see who's going to be left, who they can loan out and stuff like that. So it's kind of like everybody's taking a number at DMV and just freaking like waiting is what it looks like. But while we wait, um, I mean, I have no horse in any of these races but i know the gold cup final was yesterday i still don't understand why it is even a thing uh personally i know and now i'm gonna get hate mail for this but i mean why don't they just have usa and mexico player friendly that goes to penalties if nobody wins and let it call it a day instead of you know screwing around for like two weeks just to get to the game that we knew was gonna happen like two weeks ago anyway and then there is the olympics going on um how invested are you guys? You guys are Americans. I know Bickler does not follow the national team as closely, but uh, so Bickler, have you followed the Gold Cup? Do you watch any of the Olympics? I have followed the Gold Cup in as much as just getting the actual like score headlines. Um, I did not watch any of the games. Uh, I follow the Olympics, but I do not follow soccer at the Olympics. Um, I think it's a combination of the fact that like the Olympics to me are all about the individual events generally. Like I don't care as much about the team events unless it's like a relay race or, or something like that. But I care more about the individual stuff uh, and the fact that we're just off the back of the euros, which to me is like far more entertaining and important. Um, I feel like most of these squads that go to the Olympics are kind of either like amateur squads or watered down versions of the, the full, the full team. That makes sense. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm all about the Olympics, but not for that. How about you, Gally? I find myself, especially with the Olympics, I would normally be a lot more interested because you do see a lot of young players and, you know, like so many experienced players that they're allowed to bring and stuff like that. I think just because, I mean, normally maybe it doesn't line up with a Euro or something like that and the season ending late, I'm almost on a soccer overload maybe where I don't find myself watching it as much. And I'm a soccer junkie. Like if I turn on TV, if there's soccer on, I'll kind of like look at it, but I kind of maybe because the hours are all jacked up and stuff at the Olympics. I just don't might find myself watching much. How about you, Gally? I'm with Paul to the point that if I invest time in the Olympics, it's about individual events that I don't get to see for four years at a time. Um, and I love the storylines of it. So I'm not as big of a team sport guy in the Olympics. I think I'm with you as well on the fact that there was a little bit of soccer burnout this summer between the Euros, the Copa. Uh, I did watch uh, a good amount of the USA games, at least um, in the Gold Cup. 
and I did watch the final last night. I'll say this about the women. From what I saw, um, they just didn't look organized. And, you know, good on Canada for showing up today and basically defending the whole time and taking their one chance, getting a penalty and making it. Um, but uh, I hear a lot of excuse-making already coming. Um, it's the coach's fault and all of this. You know, it's okay for the United States to lose every once in a while, too, in every sport. And I think if there's one good thing come out of the Olympics this round, it seems like that might be it, is uh, maybe U.S. women's soccer needed a little bit of a kick in the pants to get refreshed and get better. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I didn't watch most of the games. I know they went with like a lot more. Is there no age limit or number of players limits on the women's side of things? Is that on the men's? Yes. Okay, so maybe that's why. I felt like, I was like, man, how many players did they take that's like over, you know, what is it, like U23 and supposed to be, right? And I felt like, yeah, I mean, I've been reading mostly that, you know, like some of the other teams that came are a lot more, like a high energy and stuff like that because they're like mostly young players, but I have not watched enough to know it. I just hate that, you know, people kind of like took that loss all day long. I've been reading more about not the soccer portion of it, but more like the political aspect of it and stuff like that, rather than, you know, actually what happened on the field, you know, people right. voting for Canada and all kinds of, you know, like silliness like that. So, um, but yeah, I think we're on the same boat there, I guess, overall that we're not following as much of the Olympics and just waiting for Liverpool, which we have two weeks left. So, heck, less than two weeks left. So let me ask you guys this. We'll talk a lot more about the Norwich game in detail next podcast. But between now and next week, Paul, if you're a betting man, you're betting your hot tea on this, will we get a new signing or not by the time we get together next Monday? Uh, on the line? I'm going to go now. Gonna go no. How about you, Gally? Yep. Anything happening between now and then? I'm gonna break the streak because I think we've all said no for about five weeks in a row. <laughs> I'm gonna say yes because I figure we have to get. If we do it this way, maybe we'll get it right one of these weeks and we'll have something new to talk about. But maybe this week something will break and and you know they get back to England, they're training back in England. Maybe we clap there and the, you know maybe. They can figure out a way, you know, to pull in one of these signings that they keep talking about. So he's ready to play by November. I just wish the transfer season ended when the season started. That's the the two weeks in between or like three weeks or 20 days or whatever it's going to end up being are the ones that I dread the most because I'd rather talk about the actual game being played and what's on the pitch than other rumors. But I know like, you know, that's when all the injuries and all these, and I think some of these teams are waiting for their like champions league matchups and stuff. They feel like, Hey, maybe if you get a couple of additions, we can kind of qualify. So there's a lot of waiting happening for that as well across like European, especially for like mid-level and lower level teams. Well, let's face it, teams that would probably come after, you know, Divac or Shakiri and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe they're like, Hey, we got kind of like an easy team to match up with. Maybe if we add a name like Shakira or whatever, we can get to the next level where the big money is and stuff. So let us find out next Monday. I'm going to go with Paul on this one and say no to uh, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me, Paul. 
get well soon. Keep chugging down that disgusting tea you got going there. And hopefully next week we'll be back to a healthy Poland galley and maybe a signing if galley is right. Thank you all for listening and see you guys next week.